to the book of Romans chapter 12. I'll begin there. Three scriptures.
got very ill, and they carried him to the hospital, and they had become 
uh, it, it was like a polio kind of a thing. Something got a hold of them, and they were diagnosed with a real severe disease. Uh, both of those boys were, at the same time, diagnosed. They were told uh, by their physicians and others <clears throat> that they would never be able to walk again and that they probably would not live long life. Uh, one of those boys in his family basically accepted that diagnosis and decided he had to deal with it. And he was in a wheelchair. The other boy was in a wheelchair and he decided he was not going to accept that. And so he would say, someday I'm going to walk and I'm even going to run. And he would say that. And they said he tried thousands and thousands of times to get out of the His name was Roger Bannister. And one day, Bannister stood up just as a young boy. And he began walking a little bit. And it's a miracle. I don't know how he did it. I don't know if it's mind over matter. I don't know what happened. All I know is he did it. The history is well documented. And he began to walk. And, and, and you're right, he began to run. Then on May the 6th, 1954, Roger Bannister became the first man in human history recorded to break the four-minute mile. He ran it in three minutes, 59 seconds. I think we ought to give God praise just for somebody who cares. He ran it in three minutes and 59.4 seconds. Now, what's amazing about that, because this, the, there's all kind of articles, you can read the old articles that are written about the four-minute mile. They felt like if a man ran a four-minute mile that his heart would explode in his chest. They did not believe it was such a, a huge, permanently inked mindset that no one could, could break the four-minute barrier. But this young boy did that, and he decides to do it. He was a medical student. He didn't train like everyone else because of his own physical condition. He was getting older. Uh, and also because of his study. So he developed a particular type of training technique. Those of you, Coach Walker, and the rest of you that have been there, it's called a, it, it, it was a stair, a step up and a step down. That was developed by Roger Bannister, where he would start out with maybe five 100-yard dashes, then five 200s, then, then five quarters, and then five 800s, and five miles, five two miles, and then he'd do them, step it back down. He'd do them in reverse. He'd run them back the other way. And that's how he would practice. He would step up uh, uh, the short ones to try to get his speed up, and he would run the long ones to try to get his endurance up, because he figured that if anyone was ever going to do it, he said, they were going to have to basically sprint it the whole way. And the whole ideology in those days, in the 30s and 40s and, and 50s, was if you hit four-minute mile, you're going to die. It was a huge, huge barrier. But this man, who had defeated some kind of fitness, and had been able to overcome that, and got up and walked and ran, I like to say he began to change the ink that they put on his mind that day. He began to remove that permanent, that permanent ink. And when he broke that mile, the thing that's so phenomenal about it is this. In the next four years, 25 other runners broke the four-minute barrier. And that one man erased all of that. It just took everybody up that much higher. I wish somebody would shout hallelujah and hear a pumpkin. Later that year, in 1954, one of the men that had passed his record, who went to 358, three minutes and 58, in the same year, one of the men that passed his record, they called it the race 
of the century, the race of the world, the race of the ages, Bannister and that man ran. And Bannister beat him by a couple of steps, two or three steps, in that particular run, and then he retired the same year that he set the record and beat the world record holder, all in a matter of a few months. Then he retired and did his medical practice from then on and began to write about that. It's a phenomenal story. You'll enjoy reading about it. Now, what's even more important to me than that uh, was this. Uh, sometime later, they did a study on him from his childhood up and how he had overcome that. So they interviewed him and they interviewed the man, that, that, uh, the boy that was in the wheelchair. And so when they did all of their tests on Roger Bannister, he had that disease. But he overcame it some way. But then when they tested uh, the man in the wheelchair, they said, something's gone wrong because you do not have that disease. You have something that you can overcome. But he did not know that. And he stayed in a wheelchair all of his life. Someone inked his mind and told him, can you imagine, come on guys, can you just imagine what the devil said to the Apostle Paul when he was Saul of Tarsus? You can't write those books. God doesn't love you. You stoned people. You threw them in jail. Uh, you were like a Middle East terrorist killing all the Christians that you could. You're not worthy of Saul of Tarsus. But you know, God got a hold of Paul the Apostle, who was Saul of Tarsus, and he said, I forget. Philippians 3.13 says, he said, not as though I have already attained everything. He said, but I just press toward. I press toward. He said, I forget those things that are behind. Forgetting those things that are behind. He began to renew the spirit of his mind. Philippians 3 says, he began to renew that thought process. And he began to believe what God said about him. And everybody else could say, it can't happen. But something on the inside of him said it can. Some of you in here today, God has put dreams in your heart. And you're like, I can't run a business. No one in our family's ever run a business. Well, you're not no one. Come on, your name's not nobody. You're a child of God. You can have what you say. If you'll renew yourself in the spirit of your mind and serve God with joy and be conformed, not to this world, but transformed to His plan for your life, I'd like to tell you that when you break through, someone else is going to break through with you too. Come on, you're going to help somebody else get up there a little higher. It's important. It's important. It's not an accident. You don't serve God accidentally. You don't serve God and succeed accidentally. It's a process. Serving God is not a lottery. Come on, guys, you're not going to pull a winning ticket. That's not the way it works. When you serve God, it's deliberate. It's God, I'm not perfect, but I'm changing every day. And I have things today I haven't changed in, but tomorrow I'm going to change in the Spirit of the Lord. You help me, I'm going to do this. I'm going to grow brighter and brighter in my life. The light, the light of the gospel shines brighter and brighter. Permanently in. I've been in. I've been in by Jesus Christ. There's a lady that goes to this church, I'm not going to call her name out. And, and she, she's a member of this church, and, and she used to work in the, in the cafe here. And she came to me one day. She had a big tattoo right here in the church. And she came to me one day. She said, Pastor, I want to get back to you. And, and this just touched me. 
Well, I, I wouldn't even pray and believe I knew that thing. I said, well, that's just the thing. How do you, how do you get this thing to happen? So I watched her. I took her that whole trunk trip. I took her several years. I took her trip. I watched her behave. We kept her. We got her used to the people. And, and then one day it was gone. Right away. I said, tell me what happened there. She said, well, they burned it. They take a, a laser light and they start burning it. And they wake her in. I said, well, how do they keep from burning the phone out? You were to just take a freaking arm and just go with some vacuum cleaner and put that on there. That light would burn and kill if it was not properly there. But something about that laser light and that treatment, it goes through the arm and it couples with the blood. And when it gets in the blood, then it begins to remove the stain. To me, it's fascinating. I mean, to me, it's fascinating. I had an idea years ago about developing some kind of a cream or formula that could be put on 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 a on a on a tattoo or whatever. You know, I was thinking, hey, can you guys understand how much money you could develop a cream and do whatever? You know. Now, listen. Here's the point I'm making. Hey, look, I'm not against your tattoo. That's cool. You do. Here's what I'm saying: the light and the blood. The gospel of Jesus is called the light. His word is a lamp unto our feet and a light unto our feet. And the devil will try to permanently eat your mind and tell you what you have to be because of what you used to be. But I've got some good news for you. When you get in Christ and the light of the gospel begins to get, and the blood of Jesus begins to come into your life, he removes all of that stain in your mind and your emotion and your will. It may take more than one treatment. I wish somebody had been happy and here would be today. But if the sun sets you free, you are free indeed. That's the way it works. His word is a lamp under my feet and a light. Proverbs 16 and 6, I'll talk about it tonight. Proverbs 16 and 6 says, Mercy and truth destroys iniquity. Iniquity. Adam's permanent ink on the soul of all of his offspring. Because of Adam, iniquity is in all mankind because of the blood divided.
to honor the Lord and Savior and give us this day. Until you step inside your great and perfect world. But I've got good news. You can begin to transform. You can make it better. Let it